Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49 podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lowder. So anyways, KP's here. How's it going, man? I'm doing well. Love the intros that you're working on. Uh, Every now and then, I just, I have to switch it up. And I don't care if it sounds worse. I just am not doing the same one again. So it's, it it is what it is. And I appreciate that. Props to the 49ers for scheduling a preseason finale at one o'clock instead of at night. So we can have the rest of our evening. Um, I'm great, man. Uh, preseason is over, and I'm even better knowing that. I was that. just going to say, <laughs> it's over, so we're better now. You're right. Um, so, yeah, preseason, the 49ers uh, ended it with a bang against the not-so-faithful-to-the-bay uh, Las Vegas Raiders and gave them the old whooping, as much as a preseason whooping can be, 34-10, to 10, and the Raiders didn't actually reach the end zone until like kind of like late in the third quarter when – uh, you know, the 49ers at that point were letting fans come down onto the field and, and play defense. So uh, it was, uh, I mean. It was a butt kicker. Yeah. For, for, I mean, everything you want a preseason game, I guess. You don't, you don't, there's not really a whole lot to overreact to uh, per se. I mean, obviously we've got some conversations to be had, but if it went as well for the 49ers as a preseason game can go. Uh, you know, the only injuring they came away with was Travis Benjamin suffering a concussion. And entering into the concussion protocol, which not to downplay that, but I mean, in, in all things considered, that's that's a pretty successful football game. Uh, and he walked uh, to the locker room under his own power. He, it didn't seem serious. So that's good to hear. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess the the main takeaway that everybody's talking about wants to hear about it surprisingly involves quarterbacks, which oh. I know that you, you guys weren't planning on hearing about that. We weren't planning on talking about them. Like it's just not really a, a big deal with the 49ers right now, but Jimmy Garoppolo started the game and what did it take? Like, uh, like three or four, four plays specifically <laughs> four. Yeah. Four plays before Trey Lance came out. And I didn't, I know it's one point, People were keeping track of the number of snaps they had together when they were going back and forth. I think at one point it was like 13 or 14 for Jimmy and and 10 for Trey. So it was pretty even once they started doing that. What did you think about that, man? Man, I mean, it was something. That's for sure. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what the goal of that was other than to just make, make the Lions think twice about their preparation um, because there's no doubt it's going to throw somebody off or throw Lance off, throw Jimmy G off, because it's going to be tough to get in a rhythm when you're coming in and out of the game every other play. So in that sense, I didn't like it, but I also acknowledge that it's preseason. You know, they're tinkering with things. They're just seeing how the quarterbacks react, and this doesn't matter, and it's probably not going to be what we see ever in a game. So I, I really thought that the overwhelming point was just to mess with Detroit. Yeah, I I couldn't see I couldn't see them being that aggressive with the rotation during a regular season NFL game. And 
obviously it, they went out there, they did it. They were at one point they were switching out every two or three plays between Jimmy G and Trey Lance. And I mean, contrary to what you would think would happen, the 49ers got to the one yard line and it was third and one and Trey Lance had been out there and Jimmy Garoppolo comes in and, and kind of rolls out a little bit to his right and the play broke down and he took it himself and ended up making one defender miss and then running into straight into a linebacker to cross the goal line. Uh, so obviously that was kind of exactly the opposite of what you thought you would see when Lance started right. coming out there. But I mean, it worked. It, it, it looked good. I, I don't know how much stock to put into it given what we were likely seeing from the Raiders defense in regards to an actual NFL defense. Right. I have no idea how many starting defenders they didn't have out there, but if you compare that to the 49ers uh, and who they didn't have out there, it was probably a lot. But, I mean, it was cool. Uh, right away you can see just how stressful it will be for every defense in the NFL – when Trey Lance is running a read play to Raheem Mostert Lord. with Raheem Mostert running outside. You know what I mean? Is, is, there a, is there a more specific way to say that? You know, because obviously you can kind of run those read plays at all kinds of angles and, and the running back can be hitting all kinds of different holes and angles. But Raheem was kind of coming across his face and – was was going to if he was given the ball would take it outside and Trey Lance was the one going down the middle and it's kind of commonly reversed you know it's usually different the quarterback is kind of the one threatening to run outside while the running back is the one going downhill so yeah well, but I, yeah go go ahead good no what I was going to say is one of the big takeaways before we get to the running stuff was just like no matter who's at quarterback receivers are going to be running wide open uh, right. So whoever's playing quarterback will have plenty of weapons to work with. Thanks to Shanahan. Thanks to Mike McDaniel. Thanks to a clean pocket from the offensive line that we have to talk about. But when Lance was in the game, yeah, the second level defenders for the Raiders just had no idea where the ball was going. Whenever they did, whatever replay it was. So on one play, it was a quarterback counter. So both the backside right tackle and guard pull, and he's faking to or he's reading and he's writing out a hand fake to Raheem Mostert. Mostert, I'm doing this as I'm doing That's why my voice keeps changing. He writes <laughs> out a hand fake to Mostert, who takes it up the sideline because they see pulling linemen. And naturally, as a linebacker, those are your keys. You're going to go to that side of the formation. So it's called bash. So the bat goes away from the formation. And when you have a player like Raheem Mostert, who is faster than everybody, that play is going to work every time. Uh, that was pretty fun to see. And then even on the zone read stuff, man. And I think it was pretty evident that Shanahan was in Lance's ear saying, don't you dare freaking pull this ball. But <laughs> um, even on the read plays, it, it just seemed like they had no idea where to go. They're second guessing themselves. And that's going to open up a lane every time. And for a guy as explosive as Mostert, it's going to be really tough to stop. So that was really fun to see a couple of different wrinkles uh, thrown out by Shanahan. But again, when they're throwing the ball, they're going to have a lot of space to work with. Yeah, it, it, it's just Raheem Mostert, that's already how he stresses out a defense anyways, is, you know, he's the last running back in the league that you want to gain the edge because he's just going to instantly tear up field and you probably have already taken an incorrect angle by that point. And so he's on, he's gone. And, you know, you're adding in the threat of a 6'4", 225-pound quarterback just keeping the ball and running it straight downhill on you which is also not necessarily enjoyable for most defenders that are going to be smaller than him that have to meet him at the second level. So Yeah, can we talk about that real quick? Because there was one play where he scrambled. I believe it was a fourth down run, and I looked this up. So 54 on the Raiders hit him. 54 weighs 226 pounds. He weighs one pound more than Trey Lance. So those are the type of guys that are going to be running into him, and those are linebackers. So imagine once he gets to the second or the third level of defense. It's, it's going to be fun. Yeah, it was cool to watch. It was cool to watch, man. I mean, like I was saying, even if you correctly read the play and broke on the run of Raheem keeping it when you should, it's it's already going to be tough enough to track him down. But now you you have to acknowledge the legitimate threat of Trey Lance keeping the ball. 
And it, it just provides the run game with that little bit of hesitation that you need. And I've, I've tried so hard to coach like my quarterbacks over the years when they do like their play action fakes and stuff like that. I'm like, look, like as, as pointless as you think it is, just you acting like you still have the ball and coming up like you're going to throw it, it just might give us the one step we need to take it to the house. So, and, and that's the same kind of concept with, with Trey Lance writing out that fake is whether he plans to keep it or not, it, it makes everybody freeze. Like they, they have to honor both of them because they're, I wouldn't say Trey Lance is as dangerous of a runner as Raheem, but you get what I'm saying. So it, it was cool to see that in action because you could literally see, for the second when they're doing that, everything kind of just freezes because no one can really do anything. Freeze. You, can, assi- you, you can assign a guy to each one if you want. Like, hey, you're getting Trey Lance no matter what. You're taking Raheem no matter what. But then they're just going to convert into like an RPO and there's going to be two dudes like running wide open. And it's like, okay, we'll just do that then. You know, it's like, yeah, freeze, it's crazy. Freeze is a perfect word for it. Because that's what they do. They have no idea what to do. So their feet just kind of get stuck in mud. And when you do that, you are giving the guys like Raheem Mostert an extra step. You do not give guys like Raheem Mostert an extra step. So I just think I'm I'm pretty fascinated. You want, you to, want to give him negative steps. Right, right, right. You don't want to give him an extra angle. But what I would what I'm pretty fascinated to see is if we're seeing just like these little wrinkles, these these basic run play concepts right now in August, like what is Mike McDaniel going to add come November to a Trey Lance package? Because they can do a lot. And I know people don't want to see him running up the middle, but in my opinion, that's where he will be at his best in the NFL. Just because, um, I mean, he's going to be able to outrun guys too. Like if he goes up and then he goes out, he'll be able to outrun them, but he's a big dude and he's not going to take a square shot. I don't think so anyway. Um, it'll be fun, man. I don't, I understand the, 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 I 100% understand, especially any 49ers fan understands after going through what they've been through with Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, the idea that you want to keep your quarterbacks out of harm's way, but there are some quarterbacks who just, that's part of what they do. And, and everybody knew that. I mean, you're talking about a quarterback that ran for a thousand yards during his last full season. Like you kind of knew what you were going to get. And it'd be like saying, like, I just don't think Lamar Jackson should keep the ball. Now, I think that Trey Lance is probably, especially coming out, a more advanced quarterback and passer than Lamar Jackson was. But it would be like, to me, it's like complaining that Lamar Jackson is running the ball. Like, it's just just a way of making plays. And, yes, it opens up a quarterback to more hits, but he's not small, And like you said. So it's just something that – I think we're going to have to get past because it for Trey Lance to stress, could Trey Lance develop into an absolutely phenomenal pure pocket passer? Like, or at least have that ability. Yes, of course. But for the ultimate kind of realization of what Trey Lance brings to the table, you have to let him run. That's just the way it is. And and it doesn't have to be the majority of times, but his scrambles and his design runs are what are truly going to keep defensive coordinators up late. And it's it's the way it is. The, so. the point is to maximize the player's skill set, right? Of course. So 225, 45, and we saw it today, just scrambling naturally, just organically leaving the pocket. He's going to be able to get, put your offense ahead of the chains when nothing's there. So, yeah, I think it'd be – you'd be limiting him if you were to not, not have these design runs, not let him just run naturally like we saw a little bit. So – yeah, man, there's there's nothing wrong with gaining yards on offense and having explosive plays, I will say. No, no, and he's going to take some of them to the house. That's just going to be the way it is. Um, he's a bigger guy. He has bigger strides. There's going to be times where defenders underestimate how fast he's moving, and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that too. But um, is there anything – I mean, both Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance look solid. Trey Lance missed some throws. I'm, I'm sure Jimmy Garoppolo did too. Uh, Trey Lance also dealt with the drops again, uh, quite a, I think he had at least two or three of his passes were dropped. Um, is there anything else worried about the wide receiver drops or Lance's high throws? That's tough. Um, I'd probably say Lance's high throws, not because I'm worried about him. 
like it's not just because I choose that over that doesn't mean I'm necessarily super worried about Lance's high throws, but because I just feel like these receivers have had Jimmy Garoppolo throwing to them for years, you know, at least two or three years or however long they've been with the offense. And it's going to take a little bit to adjust to Trey Lance. You can tell that some of these passes are traveling, whether they're thrown super hard or not, they're traveling much, much faster than they're used to. And I'm not prepared to give any receiver that excuse because if a quarterback's going to throw you the damn ball, you better catch it. But it's just the reality of things. Uh, you know, we saw the same thing with Colin Kaepernick, and I believe that Trey Lance has a bit more control and touch than Colin did. But you saw the same thing. Like it was just these passes. They went from Alex Smith to Colin Kaepernick, and it was like, <laughs> holy shit! Right? Like, we need a like. We got to get used to this, and they will. So I'm not really worried about that. I know that Debo Samuel has good hands. Brandon Ayuk has good hands. Muhammad Sanu has good hands. Trent Sherfield has shown to have good hands. I just don't know him as well. George Kittle has good hands. You know, I'm not, I know none of these guys have bad hands, so I'm not worried about it. Uh, Trey Lance, on the other hand, he threw, he consistently threw highs, passes high in college. Um, I just think that that's something he's probably going to do. It may result in an extra couple of picks a season, may, maybe more. You never know. But, um, it's just something that he'll probably continue to refine. I think a lot of people make the mistake of just thinking that because he's in the NFL now that he's no longer going to develop right, or right. work work on his technique or work on his passing habits. And I don't expect it to be like a big-time thing. I do like the idea, although I know that there's probably plenty of people that are like, hell no, that I'd rather them throw it closer to the ground so a defense can't pick it. But I've always just hated – the idea of quarterbacks leaving passes short, putting them low, not allowing the receiver to catch something that's either at his numbers or above it. So I, th- I mean, you know what I mean? I think we're in a better area than having a weak ass arm, uh, but big yes. Hopefully he, uh, you know, it's not something that just continues. I think it'll be something that lessens just as he becomes more comfortable. The more uncomfortable you are in the pocket, the more you will result to any habit you had, whether it's bad or good. So I just think that it's probably something that'll level out the more time he spends out there. What about you? I mean, ask yourself the same question. What are you more concerned about? So I don't, I think drops just that happens for wide receivers. And I know it's frustrating for fans, but focus drops are a thing at every level. And as we saw, like, it's just going to be part of the game. Like for any team, like everybody struggles with the same thing. So I think with Lance, it's it shouldn't be a surprise because this was like one of his biggest biggest uh, criticisms coming out of the draft. Like he's just not he wasn't an accurate quarterback, and his passes sailed high. And Shanahan talked about like his mechanical flaws that they've been working on. So it's going to be a work in progress. I don't I don't know though because well no I I think I do know it's it's got to be the high passes just because we've seen it so much that we don't have enough evidence to say that it's not going to be a problem. Whereas if they just keep catching, as you mentioned, they just keep catching more and more passes from Lance, you would think the drops would be, you know, less and less of a problem. So I would say it's going to be the high passes. How about this though? Because uh, whenever we do talk about the misses or even the drops, there's always a few. And like, this isn't just one person. There are multiple people who talk about, well, he doesn't throw a catchable pass. He doesn't throw a tight spiral and that contributes to the drops. I don't agree with that, but what do you think about that? I haven't really. Has he thrown like more than one or two ducks? I I don't even know that I've seen those. I mean, it's it's not as aesthetically pretty as Jimmy G's balls. So his RPM, like, right? <laughs> right. Sure. For those of you that think like that, you children. But let's um, go. <laughs> no, I think that there is no doubt that it looks different from Jimmy G. But when I, I don't know, I don't think it's an issue at all because I've seen them catch these passes and I've seen multiple receivers catch these passes. And because it's not like the tightest spiral doesn't mean it's not a catchable pass. I just think people saw this, saw somebody say it one time and they're just running with it. So to me, no, like that's it's not an issue at all. And I really don't think it would be an issue during the regular season. I think if you ask the receivers, like you just got them all together and, and, and threw George Kittle in there. And you were like, hey, does Trey, Trey Lance doesn't throw a catchable ball, does he? And they'd all just kind of laugh at you. <laughs> like They'd be like, what are you talking about? Right. Like, they, it's just probably not something 
that anybody thinks about in that building. I, I think that his passes, I've never seen one where I was like, oh, I can see why the receiver dropped that outside of just pure velocity. So, but anyways, we should, should we move on to, to something else that we saw in the game? Let's. Okay. So we talked about the run game. I think you got to mention the run game. The 49ers had, including all the quarterbacks, had a total of 48 carries for 242 yards. They averaged as a group five yards a carry in four touchdowns. Uh, just to compare, give you some context to that, the Raiders only managed 20 carries for 63 yards, averaged 3.1 yards a carry with no touchdowns. So the 49ers just went absolutely, for lack of a more eloquent term, ape shit on the ground. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, anytime you can get you can you can touch five yards of carry on the ground as a as a unit is is pretty insane. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at the stats and I'm just trying to determine who stole the show. I mean, they, they were all good. Raheem, uh, Trey Sermon, seven carries, 37 yards. That's 5.3 yards of carry. Was Raheem it like one of the worst ones too? Yeah, yeah. You had, then you had uh, Ish, and then you had Raheem, uh, seven carries for 53 yards. That's 7.6 yards of carry, which is like business as usual for him. Then you had Jamichael Hasty six carries for 55 yards. That's 9.2 a carry, and he scored twice. Uh, and then Wayne Gallman was like your worst of the best <laughs> at 13 carries for 60 yards at 4.6 a carry. So it was like... Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Just showing off, I guess you could say. But that kind of highlights something we, we, we know we need to touch on at least a little bit before we get out of here is... And not to say we don't have other things to talk about, but like the 49ers have some tough decisions when it comes to their 53 man roster cut on Tuesday. Big time. Do you have any strong opinions on how the running back depth chart should shake out or? So we know Mostert and Sermon are going to be the one, two guys. Like those are going to be the guys receiving most of the carries from there though. It gets tricky. So was, Elijah Mitchell was third up today, right? Yeah, and I didn't even mention Elijah Mitchell. Uh, he Six just didn't get much for Yeah, uh, four yards. He did have he did truck a dude, which was cool to see. He um, did, but he was the third guy up, which kind of tells you that's where he's at in the rotation, and that's what he was before uh, he went down with the injury. So he missed all. Like this is the first time he's really played practice um, in quite a while. So I think that kind of tells you that they're high on him. I think it's going to come down to Gallman and Hasty though. So Hasty has, you know, as we saw, he's going to be a guy who you can have bigger plays with. But I think you also have the other side, other side of the spectrum where there's you have to worry about the fumbles. You have to worry about him in pass protection. Is he going to be? Is he going to know where to go? Whereas Gallman is going to be that steady Eddie type of player, and he's like he's so good in pass protection. He might arguably be their best pass protection blocker. Although I think it should be Kyle Uzcheck, but that's for a whole other conversation. Anyway, um, <laughs> I I would lean Gallman, but if you put Hasty on the practice squad and don't protect him, which they can do, and I would do every single week, but if you don't protect him, I imagine he's going to get poached just because you don't like running backs. Yes, they're a diamond dozen, but he just moves way too well. He's so quick, and he has enough burst where you know big play if it's there. So. They have they have a lot of good players on the roster. I think is is the biggest uh, I get quote unquote issue, but it's not really an issue. They just have to figure out who they can keep. But you're probably not going to keep five uh, halfbacks. 
Yeah, it would. Yeah, I really don't know what they're going to do there. And I don't necessarily, I'll put it this way. I don't think they could make a wrong decision. Um, Raheem Mostert, Trey Sermon, like you said, of course. And then I'm assuming they're going to keep four. And now we were mentioning protecting to Michael Hasty. Can they can't do that on the initial cut, right? Like if Jamichael Hasty gets cut, any team can pick him up on waivers, right? Yes, before they even get to that point. And there's a few backfields out here that are kind of hurting, and it. I'm not sure he clears waivers. I, I would be very surprised if he clears waivers. So maybe they do that. Maybe they release Gallman, knowing that he has a better chance of clearing waivers and potentially bring him back. I don't, there are so many different ways. But again, we are talking about players who more than likely won't contribute much. I think based on the kick return that he had, Elijah Mitchell locked that job up. I don't know. You know, that's a, I think that's a good point. I think that's a good point because he had a really good kick return. Uh, he was he also started the game, the very first play of the game. He had a special teams tackle uh, solo too, just by himself, came around the right side and took the guy out. And if if you can obviously, and obviously they drafted him, used a draft pick. If they have reasons to keep him, and Wayne Gallman, as solid as he is and as solid as he's been, he was just a guy that they signed, you know, in free agency. And there wasn't any note. It didn't seem like any team had a, was in a particular rush to sign him. So there's different ways to work your way around it. I, I really don't know. I think if it were up to me, I'd go Raheem, Trey, Elijah, and Jamichael Hasty, um, and then just let Gallman go, I guess. But I, it's tough because I really, really like Wayne Gallman. So I don't know. I don't know. That's tough. That's one of the. The more I, the reason it might make more sense just to keep the guys like Mitchell and Hasey just because they're more explosive and those guys are harder to find. Um, if it really gets down to it and you're struggling with your running backs protecting Jimmy G or Trey Lance, run them in a route. Or <laughs> you there's ways to get around that, but yeah, I think outside of the pass protections just that you mentioned, it would be hard to justify keeping Gallman based on being solid. So Yes, he's has he's racking up these yards, but like, is he doing anything that anybody else couldn't do? So he had 13 carries. He had by far and away the most carries today, but 60 yards, 4.6, uh, 11 was his longest. Whereas the other guys, Hasty, 35 yarder, Mostert, 17 yarder, Sermon had a 14 yarder, and it seemed like he could have had more than that. Um, so yeah, I, I say Gallman based on maybe he doesn't. Like he would be the best pass protector of the bunch, but is that going to be enough? Because that's only right. one thing. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know, but I think another. As long as we haven't left anything up touched with the running backs, another group that we have to talk about that's kind of been doing their damn thing all preseason is the defensive line. And if we think the decision is going to be difficult at running back, then I would venture to feel. To think that the 49ers probably feel like that decision is even more difficult at defensive line. And John Lynch did say earlier this week that the 49ers were fielding calls. Now, did he did he specifically say four players on their defensive line? Yo, yeah. He said they're calling about the depth on their defensive line. He did okay, not okay. hide that at all. So, I mean... They're gonna have some. They're gonna have some really good players get cut because I mean, if if they keep two quarterbacks, maybe they surprise people and go five right wide receivers. I'm trying to think of all the positions, or or you know they 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 cut down to eight offensive linemen instead of nine. You know, like there's ways where you can trim it if they're if you know as long as they don't feel like they're letting go of an essential player, but. There's just going to be some really, really talented players coming off this defensive line, and I'm try- I'm looking at the list right now because you got your gimmies. You have Eric Armstead, Nick Bosa, D. Ford. Um, I guess you could say DJ Jones is a is a gimme. I think. Yeah, he's going to start. Javon Kinlaw, obviously. So that's four, right? I just or five. And then after that, it's just this hodgepodge of really good players. Like, 
Arden, Zach, Zach Kerr, they signed him in free agency to a decent contract. I, I kind of see him as big day. Uh, today. Uh, uh, yeah, big day today. I kind of see him as a guarantee. Uh, he's been really good. Maurice Hurst is dealing with an injury right now. Kevin Givens has been really solid. I didn't even mention Sam, Samson Ebicom. He's kind of like a guarantee. Right. He's a guarantee. So what is that? I've, I've already listed off like six. Ford, Bosa, Armstead, Kinlaw, Jones, Ebicom. I think all three of them are guaranteed. Like as Stone Cold locks it gets. So one, two, three, four, five. That's six. They're probably going to keep 10, right? And it, Hurst counts because he didn't go on the IR. So I feel like that's them telling us he's going to make the roster. So we're at seven with three spots to go for like 12 dudes. And you got to throw some edge guys in there. So because you, you have, right, you have Ford, Ebucom, um, Bosa. I think key is a lot. I think, I mean, I don't want to say lock, but. Well, and you also have Jordan Willis, who's got to serve that suspension, right? Right, which in it's, a way works out well for them, just because but does, when he's serving that suspension, does he count on the fifty-three? He does not. Okay, so they could almost like stick with Key, and because you got to, I, I would think you'd at least have to have four edge rushers. You know, right. kind of the guys you consider edge rushers. You got Bosa and Ford, Ebukam, and who else? So and Key is who I think that person. Right, right, yeah, right, yeah. I agree. So. For what it's I mean, worth, Armstead, like when they go to individual, Armstead goes with the D tackles. So, like, that's what they view him as. I know he plays on the edge during base downs, but I, I imagine they view him. I mean, just keep contained. <laughs> yeah, keep contained. Push your guy back on passing downs. We're going to kick you inside, and you are going to kick the guard in the mouth. Yeah. And so that leaves like kind of guys that we haven't like given a nod to. You know, you have Contavis Street, uh, Kevin know, Gibbons. Man. Darian, uh, Darian, Dan, yeah, no, okay, so yeah, there's there's a couple guys, you know, it kind of comes down to Maurice Hurst, Kevin Gibbons, Contavious Street, and I think that's it. Like, I, I think maybe one or two of those guys aren't going to make it. Yeah, the last spot likely comes down to Kerr or Street, and based on today, it has to be Kerr, right? Because you're going to remember the last thing you saw, and Kerr had he had a sack where he that was a nice, really nice spin. He's yeah. been solid all preseason, and yeah. he's a big dude that kind of can. Let's say if something happened to DJ Jones, he could kind of fill that uh, that nose tackle ish role. I know they've kind of gotten away from that type of formation, but uh, you know it's a guy that you can have sitting there that's tough to move. 100%. And he's actually for a guy as big as he is, he's pretty good, uh, you know, as a pass rusher too. So oh, he's agile. Yeah, he he can cover some ground. I think that's probably one of the most impressive parts about like this entire defensive line in general is. They all have range. Like DJ Jones has range. Kinlaw has Kinlaw's range is much improved uh, from his rookie season. And then of course uh, we saw Kerr make some some nice plays today. So where are we where are we at now? So that, oh Givens, but that's a D tackle. So Ford Bosa Hurst or sorry Ford Bosa Key Ebucom. Those are your four edge rushers. And then inside you have Kinlaw Jones Maurice Hurst, who is probably not going to play for a couple weeks. And that I they're really high on Kevin Givens. I know he hasn't, you know, we, we haven't really talked about him, but the way that the other players and even D'Amico Ryan speaks about him, it just would seem like he's a lock to make the roster. So that's probably that's Ken Law's backup. When Ken Law was missing during practice during these past couple weeks or so, like it was Kevin Givens who was playing. So I, I guess we should it's he's gonna be the, the backup three tech. Yeah. I mean it's it's just ridiculous how deep their defensive line is. And so it's going to be interesting to see how they handle that. Um, Every I mean, player that we just talked about, like can should play in the NFL. And if the 49ers cut either of these guys, they're going to get scooped up in a heartbeat. Yeah. Some of those guys that we were talking about possibility getting cut could, could compete for a starting role on a lot of teams. A hundred percent. Like Arden Key is a starter in the NFL. Based on everything that I saw from him during August, like he's a really good player. Um, he's Is he at the level of the starting edge rushers that the 49ers have? No, he's not. You know who else isn't? Uh, the majority of the NFL. So that's not <laughs> really a knock against Key saying because he can't start over D freaking Ford and Nick freaking Bosa. Right. Yeah, it doesn't really mean anything. <laughs> uh all right, so I mean, one thing we got to one more, I guess one more group we got to kind of talk about 
at least a little bit are the receivers because Jalen Hurd finally played. I mean, what's today his first, the first football game he's played in since the Cowboys it was. when he hurt his back two years ago? That Imagine how much has changed since then. A Just, lot, bro. Yeah, night and day, man. And or do you think he looked the same like he looked in the Cowboys preseason in 19? No, he also didn't necessarily get the chance to look the same because those were, you know, the plays we got to see were two very specific plays, you know, like a fade ball in the end zone and then a, 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 a not a dump off, but a, a pass over the middle, right? You know, they gave him a running start into the into yeah. the end zone. But, I mean, he ended up with with six targets, four catches. Now, they only went for 25 yards, but I just didn't really know what to take of it. And I know Kyle Shanahan made some com- comments in the press conference about both him and Jaquiski Tart about if they're healthy, then they're kind of, you know, then they're kind of good to go. Yeah, it, it, he's going to be on the roster. There's no doubt about that because – Which, like yeah, I don't, I don't blame them at all for doing that. It did seem like they wanted him. They went out of their way to feature him, so he, he was targeted. Oh, for sure. Times. Um, out. So Trent Sherfield was targeted four times, and Hurd was targeted six times, and then the next guy after that was Juwan Jennings, who was targeted three times. So yeah, four catches, twenty-five yards. Obviously, had the the goal line carry, which is probably why Shanahan loves him so much, knowing that he could use him on those little jet motions down near the goal line, or maybe in third in two, third and three situations. So I think the versatility helps him a lot. But again, it just has to be, um, is he going to have any setbacks? Also, he had a drop, two drops, would you count? I believe he had two. He had the one where Trey Lance kind of led him down to the ground because he was going right over the middle next to both the safeties. Uh, That one was pretty easily catchable. And then you had the other one that was like a a pretty outstanding pass from Trey Lance. Yes. And I don't think the corner got his hand on it, but he flashed his hand right in front of it as it was coming in to Jalen Hurd. And it hit Jalen Hurd's hands, and and then he dropped it. And it was like a 30-yard, almost like a corner out is, is kind of at least how it ended up. And he dropped that one too. So, Yeah, though that play seems like you either have to attack it with your hands or just catch it with your body. And he seemed kind of unsure. And he, it looked like he did a little bit of both, and then the ball snuck up on him at the last minute. But that—that that is a tough catch when you know a guy's draped all over you. But he—you want to him to catch that, right? Like that, I would imagine that goes down as a drop in the stat sheet. Yeah, you would think so. I mean, I don't really lend as much credence to the age old, like, "Well, it hit your hands." Like, I, I like to see the whole context of the yeah, play. There's no. Um, but. I mean, if we look at that group the same way we've been looking at the other groups, you have, you know, you got Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel up top, kind of like the the obviously untouchables. I consider Trent Sherfield to be right there with them. Um, and that's – when we first started having this conversation, it, we would say that based on Trent Sherfield's value as a special teamer. But now he's just firmly established himself as one of the, the most valuable receivers on the team, it would seem like. You know, from everything – uh, you saw from everything I read about training camp leading, you know, on the way through it, from everything I've seen in the preseason games, the dude just seems good, like legitimately good. And so you got that. That's three. And then let's just, given what we just say, let's say Jalen Hurd is a fourth. And so it depends on how many you want to keep, because I guess at that point, the decision doesn't become that hard. You have Juwan Jennings, Muhammad Sanu, and Nasimba Webster. And to me, you know, the answer is pretty you, obvious there, right? Like it, you it's go Muhammad Sanu, and or Juwan Jennings, and Juwan Jennings. Right, you could right. do, you could do and or. They keep um, six. I would think so. I would think so. Keeping five is tough. Yeah, Sherfield's a baller, man. Like, there's no other way around it. He's done this every time that they're on TV or even at practice. It seems like he does something that you're like, oh, that's why he's playing, and. So he had the third and 13 where he went up, made a tough catch, held on through contact. That was great. He had a comeback where he ran a really nice route, created separation, got his feet down, extended for the pass. Like he does some things. And most of the things that we've seen in the preseason have been these long chunk plays where he's kind of running wide open. But I think today 
like the two plays, the two catches that I just mentioned, that those are much more transferable and sustainable for a guy like Sherfield. And that's why it's pretty easy to see him in a role for the 49ers offense, probably even more so than Hurd, Jennings, Sanu, because we know he can run. But I, I really do think he has like one of the, the best hands on this, some of the best hands on the team. And he's just a reliable dude. And like, you know that it doesn't have to be a perfect pass to be able to throw to him. Like all of these things matter. So uh, thank you, Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, no kidding, man. He's a great, he's a great. And, it, and and I think you've summed up pretty well. Like he's just legit and it's no longer like, oh, well he has special teams values. So I can see why they're, they'll, why they'd keep him. It's we're beyond that. It's, it's like, no, he's just good. That's why they're going to keep him. So um, I'm trying to think if there's any other positions or anything that happened during the game. I mean, since we've last been on here, uh, because admittedly uh, we just like straight up <laughs> forgot to record last Thursday. Like, Go us. like, yeah, we're, we're just, we care out here. I promise we do, but you know, obviously we both have lives. Um, Richie James, no longer a part of the equation, at least for now. They, they waived him with an injured designation. Uh, I can't. What was his injury again? For Richie James, the knee injury. Yeah. There you go. Oh, so <laughs> that was pretty funny because again, every time Shanahan speaks about injuries, he has no idea what he's talking about. He got. A, he has a knee thing. He said. He said uh, it starts with an M. <laughs> oh, <laughs> meniscus. <laughs> uh, he's like, it starts with an M. I know it's not an ACL because that's what you guys worried about, but I don't know. I didn't ask. Like, but that's how he speaks about injuries. Man, he's great. Right, so we'll find out at some point tomorrow if Richie James. I think technically the waiver period's already over, but nobody probably has bothered to worry about it during the middle of all these games. So uh, we'll probably find out tomorrow if he cleared waivers because if he does, then he auto- does, then he automatically goes onto their Forty ers injured reserve list. Does that mean he's done for the season? If he's on the IR before the season starts, yes. Okay. See, so yeah, because uh, you know the whole shuffling, the COVID IR, and everything yeah. that went on with that, it, it throws me off. But you can bring him so back he, within three weeks after the fact. But yeah, before the season starts, uh, good night to your season. Yeah. So I mean, and that was this could be the 49ers' way of giving Richie James maybe one more year. You know, if he's on IR, they don't necessarily have to cut him. I think they could release him with like an injury settlement. Maybe I think that's how that works. I've I've never dove into that side of things, but he was just having by far the, I I think it's safe to say by far the worst off season of any 49ers receiver, no matter expected to make the team or not. Like he just could not catch the ball. It was, it was rough to see for a guy that has that much potential, which, which kind of 49ers land has talked about plenty. Uh, he just struggled mightily and that was kind of, it just seems like that was the 49ers way of easing the blow a little softer than normal. Yeah. That's it. It did suck to see just because you, you know, he has talent, like, you know, he can play, but he just couldn't hang on to the ball to save his life. And you kind of saw that in the rotation. So you can Samuel, your clear starters, they go to 11 personnel. Maybe it's a new, maybe it's Sherfield. Then the backups come in. Then it's Sherfield, Sanu, Juwan Jennings, Jalen Hurd. They're rotating. And then it went – Travis Benjamin was the next to come in. And then it was Richie, uh, Richie James. So uh, it's it would have been tough sledding for him to make it. So this does give him maybe another life. But, I mean, there we just didn't see anything during August to, to, to think that he would make the roster. And that's probably what happens when you upgrade at the wide receiver position, you know, competition – pressure bus pipes and Sherfield just Sherfield was essentially the guy that everyone wanted Richie James to be pressure bus pipes. I like it. I like it. I mean, we, so we had the press conferences after the game. Uh, we didn't really get anything from those that were, nope. was very definitive. I mean, Kyle kind of said like what he usually says. Yeah. I mean, he's like, yeah, we could use the double, you know, both quarterbacks in the game and, defenses can prepare for it if they want to. And it's just like, <laughs> all right, man, thanks. Yep. You know, like, and, and even Trey Lance, Trey Lance is already, I know he's a rookie, but in terms, in terms of a press conference, he's already a very seasoned veteran. Like the answers that he gives are so vanilla. And so like by the book, 
and the, I would be surprised if we really ever get anything out of the guy. Like even Jimmy G is more of an open book than Trey Lance is. So he doesn't want to give anything. No. And, um, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, obviously he's not going to say anything else. He was seemed totally cool with the whole two quarterback thing, but I mean, Hey, if I was making 20 something million, I'd be cool of, of getting to take less snaps <laughs> And preserve my body. And if I do get hurt, I'm pretty sure he's got a pretty handsome injury guarantee. So I'm down for whatever. <laughs> you know, like, of course you are. Right. But Do what you guys want. I'm paid. Right. So um, I'm trying to make sure that we haven't glossed anything, glossed over anything important, whether it was in the game or said after the game. No, I mean, it was the same typical quotes. Like Tart said, Hufunga's a baller. Um, Jimmy G said, you know, I've never been in this situation, um, but he wants to do what's best for the team. It was it was a lot of those type of answers. Yeah, it was. It was. So I'm just making sure we give everybody the due diligence. The next time we come to you guys, next time we come to you guys, it'll be probably on Tuesday after the 49ers have, I believe it's 1 p.m., uh, Pacific Standard Time for the 49ers when they have to uh, announce their, I believe it's 27, if my math serves me correctly, 27 more cuts to go from uh, their 80 right now to 53. You know, the age-old 53-man roster cut, always painful, always shitty. Uh, you just know that 27 dudes had to get the, you know, the shittiest phone call of their, of their year at the very least. Yeah. So hopefully they'll be back. That, hopefully we have another chance, you know, to make it. Well, that's, and that's a good point because they expanded the practice practice squad to 16 players now. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that, and it used to be 10. So I, that's a huge deal. And for anybody feeling bad about somebody making the practice squad, don't, they still make great money. <laughs> I think they make like, and they can they can adjust the salaries based on if other teams are interested in them and how long how long how much they want them to stick around. But I think they're still making hundreds of thousands of dollars, like a year. So don't like be upset with for them. But at the same time, all of these guys just want to make an after roster. They want to be a part of the team uh, in that way. And just the fact that you've been told that you can't do that another year is always tough. So. Uh, I always just have respect for that time of year. Um, But we'll come back to you guys on Tuesday after that's happened. We'll break down the 53-man roster and everything that pertains to it. I don't necessarily envision there being that many surprises because the 49ers' depth and their their starters and their depth are just so much more established than they have been been in years past. So there's just not a lot of room for anything like, whoa, that's crazy. You know, it's... At least I don't think so. But watch, the 49ers are going to trade like D Ford or something, and everybody's going to be like, wow, okay. You know, and then I'm going to be like, yeah, my bad. So I know the, or I have the practice squad salaries. If you make, or sorry, if you have fewer than two accrued seasons, at minimum, you make 9200 per week. Per week? Per week. That, folks, is what it's like around 500. Four four hundred and seventy-eight thousand dollars per year. If to be on the practice squad, to be on the practice squad. If you have more than two accrued seasons, you get a minimum of fourteen thousand per week. Yeah. So not struggling. No, they're not struggling. That would be a fun-ass job, man. But again, like I'm not an idiot, and I understand. You don't get to this point in your career in the NFL without having a, a fairly insatiable urge to to compete and be be out there. For but sure. at the same time, I'm just trying to, to let you know that they're, they'll be okay if they make the practice squad. They'll be all right. Um, anything else, man? Did I miss anything? No, I think we're good, man. Yeah. So uh, Trey, Lance, Trey Lance talked about his finger, but he's good after the game. I think that was a little bit of worry because, like, you saw all the beat riders say, oh, Trey Lance is hurting his finger, nursing his finger because he hit it on a helmet or whatever. But, I mean, the next play, he threw it deep to Travis Benjamin on the DPI, which was nice. So, no. no. That's a good – it was a well-placed ball, too. It set that up perfect. Give him a chance, baby. Yep, yep. That's how That's how it is, man. It's it's so easy to draw that pass interference. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's so easy to do. So, I think that's it, man. I think that's it. So, we got 
Monday, Tuesday, we'll be on here breaking down roster cuts. And then we have a couple of weeks before the 49ers. I mean, the next football we get to talk about is the regular motherfucking season. Real deal, baby. Yep, the real deal. The Lions and all of their mites are awaiting the 49ers um, come uh, come a couple weeks from now. So that's exciting. I, I'm, I mean, we're, we're, we're past the preseason. And we're on our way to the, the real deal. And I'm, I'm truly excited to see what the 49ers are capable of this year uh, because they're, by all accounts and purposes, I would say easily a top 10 roster in the league. We'll see if they're if they're worthy of more than that. Um, but I, I, I have high hopes. I think they're going to be good. I think they're going to be good. But, all right, man, any last words? No, I, I think that's a good way to put it. Just they have so many good freaking players on the roster that it would be very – very tough for them to not win double-digit games. And, yeah, the preseason doesn't mean much, but we got to see guys like Maurice Hurst, like Arden Key, like Trent Sherfield step up, and it, it's pretty evident that they're going to have a role, even Hufunga. So, um, no, we, we did learn a lot during August, but no more QB stats, no more practice QB stats to worry about because <laughs> we have real football. Well, I guess one thing I'd like to leave everybody with is you haven't seen Nick Bosa play yet. And Trent Williams, in all his uh, humble, and, you know, information, said that you know most players that come back from an, an ACL injury don't come back better. And he seemed pretty sure of himself that Nick Bosa did because uh, last week Nick Bosa got uh, some actual got to actually practice in team. I'm assuming that if he did team, he probably did one on ones too, at least for a day. Yeah. Um, I don't know if the media was allowed to watch that practice, but. Trent Williams was was pretty effusive with his praise, saying like, "Look, dude, like, at the very least, there was no drop off for this guy." So, uh, you know, and and we we know the 49ers roster is good, and we haven't even seen Nick Bosa and D Ford play football yet. So that's fun. Penesul, here we come. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate y'all. I hope you enjoyed uh, your 49ers preseason football. But like I said, we're on the way to the regular season now. We'll come at you guys on Tuesday after the roster cuts, break down the, the roster the 49ers are going to be taking into the regular season. But you already know what it is. That's KP. I'm Rob. This is Dragon Gold, and we're signing out. Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So... At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable. It's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.